Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. We are talking about loving connections, and our second guest is Jennifer Martin, and she's calling in today from San Antonio, Texas. Jennifer Martin's son, Kelly, was diagnosed at age four with a rare metabolic disorder known as MPS. When he died suddenly at age 23, Jennifer began to write, first his eulogy and then a journal. After many years, she realized her story of healing could help other bereaved parents, and her story became the book, Star Child. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you. Hi, Jennifer. It's great to have you on. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you. Is that your art on the front of your book? Uh, no, actually, it's not. That was chosen by the publisher. Oh, it's, it's lovely. I was it thinking, is. wow. Um, a wonderful book. And, and you really get the feeling of what a special spirit Kelly was Absolutely. when you read the book and, and how delightful. Absolutely. And I felt like, you know, he's another one of those, one of those children in, yes, our, in our world. Yes, he is. Uh, and I, I like the, you know, you journaled, but it's, it's, your journaling is very piffy and brief, and you're an excellent writer. Oh, thank you very much. And it's so um, accessible because it's not dense. You have little sections and, and mm-hmm. uh, quotes and poetry. It, it's really a, a very good read and, and very good information. Okay. Well, I wanted to uh, talk about some of the things that kind of came up for me and, and your journey and your recovery, because you do talk about recovery, and Heidi and I feel that that's very important to look at that, the process, and help those folks out there that we know are newly bereaved look at this process. So I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about some of the things, some of the things that you talk about that came up for me. At um, Kelly's funeral, I know that you, you said your brother Bill and you were kind of into Indian things. Right. Mm-hmm. Native American spirituality. Exactly. Uh-huh. And that uh, he decided he wanted to uh, play some feathers. Tell right. that story. Because well, we've been talking a little bit. Um, yeah, that was you know, really amazing. Um, yeah. He had brought um, two eagle feathers and asked me, said that he wanted to place them in the coffin with Kelly. And I said that would be you know, wonderful. It would be a great blessing. And so I left him alone with with the coffin and with Kelly, and he was saying the prayers in the four directions. And then I just kind of watched him, and I saw that he was finished, and I, I went back up and stood beside him. And when I looked, I didn't see the feathers. And so I asked him, well, where are the feathers? I don't see them. And he said, oh, they're tucked inside his uh, the, ja- the sleeves of his suit jacket. And I said, oh, my God, like up under his arms? And he said, yes, you know, like as if the wings to carry him to heaven, to carry his mm-hmm. soul to heaven. And um, then that afternoon, or that next day, uh, or, I'm sorry, it was that afternoon, one of his pallbearers came to me and said, oh, Ms. Martin, I've got to tell you this dream that I had about Kelly last night. And he said, in the dream, I saw God, and God was this, giant figure with these huge wings that spanned the sky and underneath his wing Kelly was tucked mm. you know oh, wow. <laughs> that's amazing it was an ama- it was like the beginning of the amazing signs you know that we we see and look for 
Yeah, and that's what we've been talking about a little bit on the beginning of the show. Okay. Well, I wanted to, um, I kind of passed over Kelly because I had read and I know about Kelly, and then I'm thinking, oh my goodness, my audience doesn't know about yeah. Kelly. Can you tell them a little bit about Kelly and his life? Yeah, he was diagnosed at age four with a rare metabolic disorder called mucopolysaccharidosis, or MPS for short. And um, children that are diagnosed with that illness, there's really... For his particular strain that he had, there is really no statistics as to how long he would live. And so I lived every day not knowing, you know, how long I would have him. Um, but basically, he was fortunate that it didn't affect his, his mind uh, or his sight. Some children that have that illness, you know, they, they become blind and brain damaged and, and die usually by the age of 10 or 12. So he lived to be 23 and died of a, a sudden heart attack. So it was, and that's actually something connected to the illness. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that struck me about this, because I do some work with compassionate friends, and uh-huh. and uh, my son died instantly right. in an automobile accident. And one of the things that struck me about reading, you talk a little bit about going to the hospital, and uh-huh. and and you, uh, they tried to revive Kelly, but they came in and told you he was dead. Right. And the thing that struck me about it is that when you hear they're dead, they're dead. And, mm-hmm. you know, because we have people tell us, oh, it must have been, you know, easier for you because, you know, he had this illness. Or it must have been, you know. Um, you, you were prepared for the death. Yeah. No, and, you're and, not. Which isn't true because how can you ever prepare? No. How can you ever be fully prepared for your child to die? No, you're not. And I always was, you know, the holdout saying that, you know, maybe maybe he'll be that one statistic because there was one man, I think, that at the time Kelly was diagnosed, he was in his 40s. And so, no, you never, you know, my husband told me, he said, oh, well, you knew this day was going to come. And I said, no, I hope this day would never come. Mm-hmm. So it's very different. Yeah. yeah. Now that was your uh, his stepfather, which yes, I think uh-huh. was interesting because you uh, you also went into counseling, and I think this is a big point for a lot of the audience out there. Uh, everybody doesn't respond the same way, do they? No. No. In fact, the therapist asked me, uh, "How do you grieve?" And I said, "Well, you know, I I have to cry about it. I have to talk about it a lot. I want to write about it." And he asked my husband the same thing, and and he had at that time lost a sister and his mother, and he said, well, it's just something I have to accept and I move on. And the therapist said to my husband, said, well, John, it's like this. You know, you're speaking Russian, and Jennifer only understands Chinese. I love that. So we, we, can't, we couldn't communicate at any level, really. It was very difficult. And I know, I think it was your therapist, was it, that also talked about when you go to the ocean, some people yes. put their back to it? Yes, so. actually it was a social worker, and um, she said if if you used um, the ocean as a metaphor for grief, some people would turn their back to the ocean and, you know, totally ignore it. And at some point, you know, there's going to come a wave, and it's going to be a big wave, and it's going to wash over them and perhaps knock them down into the sand, into the ocean, and they'll have to they'll have to deal with it. And I explained to her, I said, the type of person that I am, and even today, if if I suffer a loss, if that uh, the ocean is the grief, I would just walk into the ocean because mm-hmm. that's how I process my my pain. Is I don't want to avoid it because I don't think that's any way to try to live your life. 
I think that's a, a great metaphor, don't you, Heidi? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit, uh, and you, you're writing is kind of like little essays, and they're really wonderful. Yeah. They're short and, and uh, very pithy and, and so uh, honest and real. And one of the things you talked about was Mother's Day. I always found Mother's Day so hard, and we've got another holiday right now coming up, which is Halloween. Right. And you said about Mother's Day, um, are they going to give they give a carnation for the oldest mother, the youngest mother? What about the mother who hurts the most? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, that was, you know, I particularly avoided church, um, you know, during the Mother's Day situation. And, you know, my husband and I were at lunch that first Mother's Day, and I remember some woman at the cash register came out of the blue with a carnation and handed me a carnation and said, oh, happy Mother's Day. And I just thought, how dare you, you know, Mm-hmm. assume anything about me, you know, and it was, I just refused it and I walked away, you know, but it was just like being ambushed at any kind of holiday in the early days of grief. Uh, you know, if you're going to the the grocery store, you know, there's the Mother's Day cards or, you know, um, and my son was really big on giving me cards. So like on my birthday, he wouldn't give me one card, he would give me four. <laughs> so, so, you know, cards were a big deal between us, and we did that a lot. So it was, um, you know, very uh, difficult to be in a Hallmark store, for instance, you know, and seeing all these cards and thinking that he would be buying me this card or I would be buying him those cards. And so we, we shared our love that way a lot. Yeah. Was Halloween anything for him? Um, not specifically. I just can... Uh, my one memory, great man, in fact, I was just sharing with my husband recently about that, was it was, it's been so humid here in San Antonio, and, and I said, I just can't believe it's fall, but then I said, oh, I do remember, though, one time when Kelly was very little, and he had on some little, oh, costume that came from the local grocery store or something, but it was so humid that his little curly hair was just all plastered, you know, to his forehead and his face, and I can still see that image you know, today, but he loved the holidays, and uh, well, the holidays and are really hard. That's one of the hard things, I think, Jennifer, that could be hard about Halloween. If you have these children come to your house and they have masks on and costumes, and oh, exactly. they, they look like your children because they're, yeah. they're dressed up in costumes. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That would be very difficult, I think, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, you know, I just, in the beginning, I wouldn't answer the door. So, you know, for me, it was just a way of protecting myself from being with the children. How do people get a hold of you, Jennifer? Um, I have a website. It's uh, jjmartinstudio.com. I'm in San Antonio, Texas. And you have some uh, photo note cards for sale? Yes, I do. Uh That's great. Your own art, right? Yes, it's my own photography. Fantastic. Uh, And you're uh, writing a novel? Yes, I am actually, and uh, it's um, it's ca- called Heaven's Stone, and it's the story of a woman and a Mayan shaman who, with the aid of an ancient artifact, penetrate the veil between heaven and earth, so she mm. can see her son one more time. Wow, and <laughs> and it should be wonderful because Jennifer's a wonderful writer, and oh, I'd highly you. recommend that you get Star Child. Thank you very much. It's a wonderful book. Uh, Jennifer, so we wanted to talk about emerging from the other side, and, and you really finished your book in 2002, right? Uh, it was finished, writing. then uh, I self-published it in 2006. Oh, wait a minute, you've got something in here 2005, too. Okay. Oh, 
Yeah. Well, you've got one one comment in uh, one more. Oh, kind of I started journaling. journaling. Yes, I started journaling all through yeah. those years. Yeah, all through the years, so uh-huh. it, it's really something. Talk a little bit about um, emerging from the other side and talk about these wonderful girls you found. Oh, uh, these were, um, this was after, I think maybe about a year or so after Kelly died. And I had some friends who had daughters who were like between the ages of nine and uh, maybe. Because, 13. excuse me for a minute, but uh-huh. Kelly, uh, we haven't told people yet, Kelly was your only child. Yes, he was my okay. only child. That's correct. All right. And um, so as looking at a way of mothering, continuing to be a mother, I started looking at these four girls who were friends of my, daughters of my friends, close friends. And at that time, we lived in a big Victorian house, and we had all these bedrooms. And so they would just love to spend the weekends with myself and my husband. And so they would come over, and they'd go through my closets, and they'd play dress-up, and they'd have fashion shows, and we'd go to lunch and all these things, Um, but they stayed up too late and made me crazy, (laughs) but it was just a way, you know, for them to give me their love and for me to be able to mother them and feel like a mother again because, you know, I I didn't feel like a mother after Kelly died. Uh And you call them goddaughters? My goddaughters of my heart, exactly. (laughs) And what are they up to now? Oh, well, one of them just had a baby. <laughs> oh, now you're a god-grandmother. Yeah, now I'm a god-grandmother, uh, my heart. And um, they're married and just leading you know, adult lives, but we still remember all those wonderful times that we had together, and, and it's still a very special bond that we have. Now talk about Grace and, and what you found. Well, I think I was really blessed. At some point on my healing journey, um, I did find Grace, and I think I found it because... Um, um, it was a lot of work that I had to do, and uh, but I was willing to do it. I was willing to, you know, feel the pain and talk about it and whatever I needed to do to heal my pain. And, and Grace just kind of showed up one day, and uh, I actually remember, I think I was standing on the back deck with a cup of coffee, and the sunrise was coming up, and I was looking at the clouds and, you know, seeing how they were changing and forming and the light was changing and I just felt that that was really happening for me. Um, in the beginning, I didn't think, you know, I would ever, ever, ever be healed. And I, I really, uh, at some point, knew after that, that morning that some things were going to happen in my life that would allow me to be able to get beyond the pain and, more importantly, to be able to help other people. Because I felt like by telling my story, you know, they, they would be able to have some hope in their life, too. Mm-hmm. And, and how did you work it out with your husband? Well, actually, we just hung in there. Uh, it was very difficult because he wasn't Kelly's father, and I think at some point I was just telling a girlfriend recently that about a year, a little over a year, he came to me and he said, I'm going to give you like one more year, and you've just got to get over this, you know. And I just looked at him like he was crazy and I told him, I said, you need to be everything to me now that Kelly was. You know, he was my, my best friend, my my child, my everything. And my husband just looked at me and said, I can't be all those things that he was to you. And it it just, we just, you know, went through therapy. Um, I uh, wound up doing a support group for parents who had lost children. And we met, I met with them uh, once a week. And at that yeah, point, and what was the name of that group? I know you talk about it. It was uh, Forever Loved. 
Uh-huh, Forever Love. Yeah. I love that name. And um, so we just... We hung in there, and he, he so, now So knows. maybe through the support group, Jennifer, you got some of the things that you needed. Exactly. You like I got it from them. I got there what I couldn't get from my husband. Right. And he now knows. He said, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, that I wasn't there for you because he, he knows now what Well, and, and the done. bottom line is sometimes we need a lot. Exactly. I, Sometimes I, we need more than people can give us. Right? I did. I did. And, you know, if I would start crying, he would leave the room because he didn't want to see me in pain. And, mm-hmm. you know, then I just took that as, oh, thanks a lot. You know, I needed someone to hold me, to comfort me. And so when I found the support group, that's I went, you know, like an alcoholic to a meeting I, because that, I, I just had to go. It had to be a place where I could go and tell my story over and over and over again and listen to someone else tell their story, and sometimes I didn't want to talk. I would just sit and listen, and it it made the pain more bearable. Mm -hmm. So tell us how your life is now. My life is wonderful. (laughs) Um, I'm just very happy uh, doing my photography, and it's become another way of expressing myself. The writing initially was the way I expressed myself, but now uh, I find more beauty in the world, uh, and I try to incorporate some of my writing with my photography whenever I can. Um, and it's just very, it's still very healing. And I'm just a, you know, a healed person and uh, happy to be alive. And I know a lot of people who are new, newly bereaved, you know, that's hard to believe that you can ever be happy again. But I mean, I can feel my son around me and I know that he's happy that I'm happy. That's and great. Jennifer, well, I think one of the important messages for our listeners is that you'll always be a mother and you are connected to Kelly. However, exactly. you do not have any surviving children right now physically on this earth, and yet you've gone on to find hope again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Will you, I ask you to read a little something that I loved from your book. Could you read that for us now? Yes. Um, this, here it is. It's a healing from the loss of a child is excruciating, but it's harder to stay in the pain, much harder. And it's not enough to just survive. Grief work is a spiritual journey governed by raw emotion, but the journey through grief can also set you free. Ah, thank you. What a fabulous message you've given us thank today. You. And thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show and for writing your book, and, and thank you for Kelly's life. Thank you very much. I'm honored. <laughs> You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.